Hello, everybody. Welcome back. Uh, Happy New Year. The Jerick Show is back. I am, as always, still, I haven't changed my name over the, the past year, so I am still Javad Malik. And we have got a great welcome show for you today uh, to bring you back to the new year. We're all a bit rusty and out of practice, but we're going to be talking about RDP, the Russians, the FBI arresting some book dealer, and why romance scams are the ones you should be looking out for today. Welcome to The Jarek Show, featuring your hosts, Javad Malik and Eric Krohn. Timely topics, poorly presented. I had a New Year resolution to be kinder to my co-host, Eric Krohn, but like my diet resolution, it only lasted a week. <laughs> yeah, and that was the week I wasn't even around for you to to, to bother. So, um, yeah, you know, we wouldn't have it any other way. Keeps it uh, interesting, I suppose, is how we'll put that. So, well, welcome back. Um, it's great to uh, see our one listener and follower. Um, apparently, they're out there somewhere. But, uh, yeah. It's a whole new year. Javad, we're going to have a good time with this show this year. Continue to spread wonderful InfoSec and cybersecurity news in a very, very poor manner. What do you think? Can we commit to that? Yes, I think we can. And I just realized there's an awful mess behind me. So I'm going to like clean that up in a second. But why don't you tell us about (laughs) how you kicked off your new year by going to uh, a... uh, uh, a show in Vegas of all places. Right, right. And, you know, um, first of the year, uh, this is why we didn't uh, broadcast last week. But, you know, I figured Omicron, YOLO, let's go to Vegas for the CES show. Now, the, the CES show is this huge, huge consumer electronics show that also has great things like you've put up here, people in nose suits. And I just have to wonder um, who... <laughs> Who volunteered to do this? I mean, I, I, don't, I doubt this is a volunteer thing, right? When we do booth duty, we would never volunteer to do this. I think this would be danger pay. But, you know, when I was at CES, I saw all kinds of cool stuff. They have these robots that uh, that cruise around. Um, there was one that was disinfecting robot made for like a, uh, like a coffee shop. So it just cruises around and sprays disinfectant when people leave. Um, I actually saw a virus proof table that had air curtains between like it was sectioned off in four parts and there were air curtains there that were shooting air up that was supposed to, for whatever reason, not just make it airborne and blow all over the damn place, but apparently was there to, uh, to, to shield you from talking to the person next to you. Um, There were uh, electronic vehicles. There were all kinds of interesting things at CES. Now, because of the Omicron virus, a lot of places or a lot of organizations didn't show up. They pulled out at the last minute, decided that they weren't going to be there. Um, I did see uh, like Creality, the, the people that make the 3D printers. They had a beautiful setup. They had all these 3D printers set up out there and uh, nobody actually working the booth. Uh, on top of that, LG, the big TV maker, the South Korean TV and, and phone and whatever screen maker, um, they just decided, nah, we're not going to show up after all. And they threw up these, uh, these little pedestals with a QR code that everyone's just supposed to go around and randomly scan QR codes. That was the big thing this time. Right. Right. Exactly. Um, 
Yeah. <laughs> um, but they didn't even bother putting carpet down. So it was like this chipwood floor base. And then these pedestals with some lines painted on the ground that you're supposed to like walk from place to place, hit this thing and, and view what's going on. Now, there were some other things there, like Samsung was there and um, Stellantis, the people that make uh, like the Fiat's, the, it's the auto group over Fiat, over um, Jeep, Chrysler and and all of those, um, even Vauxhall. I believe, which is one of uh, one of your neighborhood vehicles. I know that's a, a fine British motor car um, from what I hear. <laughs> yeah, right. Exactly. Um, but it was interesting to see stuff like this. Now, what actually shocked me, too, was the longest line I saw in the entire show was to one specific booth. I think you have that picture here. Yes. If you, if you would wake up and, and put it up there, that was your cue. Yeah, this no, line right here no, was... I started looking up who owns Vauxhall. Yeah. Because, well. because in, in the 80s, it was acquired by General Motors, a German company. So, uh, ha, 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 ha. Yeah, well, so this line right here, this was the longest line I saw the entire time. It was to satisfier was the name of this and what satisfier was was a whole line of smart adult toys unbelievable that this was the longest line i saw in all of ces uh, whoever uh, ended up not being in that spot that should have been a floor right there should be pretty great pretty happy because otherwise that line would have been all around there but this whole place was like this like you see that big empty uh, part of the floor Folks yeah. not going. So it makes me wonder what the conference season is going to look like moving forward this year. If we're going to have another year of crap conferences. I'm going to my first live event in about a week's time. It's uh, in London. So I'll see how that goes and report back. But but you're right. And, and you seem very judgmental that people are going and buying a, a satisfier. So what people do in their own privacy of their own homes with an internet connected device that is telling everyone what they're doing is none right, of your right. concern. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, it's first of all, do you have to make smart everything? I mean, there are some things that we probably just don't need to make smart. You know what I mean? The, the only thing we need to make, make smart are Americans and in particular those in Florida. Ouch. So if we could do that, then I think that would make the world a better place. Anyway. Uh, okay. There's so. a easily exploitable Windows RDP bug that opens users to data theft. And I thought RDP was easily exploitable anyway, because you see it in every other report that how did the ransomware get in? Oh, because there was a uh, uh, RDP. But um, yeah, um, what is this all about? And yes. what is this image doing with this hacksaw cutting through that that pipe? Ah, yes, well, that's just it. They're... Uh... They're exploiting Windows pipes, <laughs> like named pipes and such, right? Uh, and, and the beauty of this, though, is they're they're basically able to kind of walk through the front door when it comes to RDP right now. Um, and and they can take over people's sessions. I, I believe they can modify the clipboard. They can take over like uh, smart card login people's sessions, which is a real problem if you're military and use a cat card. Um, you know, RDP is one of these things that, that it's a love-hate relationship, like it's so easy to use and set up. And we saw this, we've talked about this before when, when 
when the pandemic hit, so many organizations backed out very, very quickly. Uh, they had to work from home. And the easiest way to do that in a lot of cases is to take RDP, which is installed by default or it's available by default on a lot of Windows versions, uh, most of the ones they use in corporate environments, and just pop it open and forward like port 3389 or get creative and do 3388 or 3390 to these machines. And voila, your people have remote access. The problem is they didn't necessarily secure them well. They didn't set them up to monitor and alert for brute force attacks, which are constantly going on. I mean, Shodan saw a huge rise in RDP at the time. Um, and there's all these things, you know, people still had crap passwords. They weren't using multi-factor authentication. And then they're just chucking machines, internet accessible. And that was my problem with RDP. So I've been recommending for a long time, if you're going to use RDP, put it behind a VPN at least. Because uh, VPNs, people tend to look at those and and add a little bit more security to them than they think about with, with RDP. Well, now what we have here is a way where they can actually get in there and, uh, and, and kind of just run through the front door of RDP. Um, is there a so, particular VPN you'd recommend though? Because I've been reading uh, a lot of um, stories about how VPN, there's, there's a whole cartel of them out there. Well, basically uh, a few companies own majority of the providers out there. And it's all a bit um, suspicious. Or do you, are you one of those geeks that roll your own VPN? Yeah, I'm not talking about VPN like private internet access type VPNs. I'm talking about a corporate VPN where you're logging oh. into the, the corporate VPN um, before you do that. I mean, honestly, VPNs are so easy to bring up right now. You got a Raspberry Pi, cool. You're 50 bucks into the hardware. You, you throw on Pi VPN. And voila, people are getting in. You can use WireGuard. You can use, uh, you know, all those kinds of things that are good there uh, to secure the connections. There's no real reason not to VPN these days. There really wow. isn't. You're so um, out of touch, man. It's 2022. Wake up. So what you're talking about are like, I, I'm talking about more like mid-sized companies, which are the majority of companies. And a, mm -hmm. a lot of them don't have a corporate VPN they can use. So, so and, and you're talking about them where they might not even have a dedicated security person. They've got a generic IT bod who does everything and makes the coffee. And now they're expected to learn how to get a Raspberry Pi and stand it up and roll a VPN, which they might be able to do, but they might introduce seven other vulnerabilities into their, 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 their whole network and, and create a whole new attack surface. So I think you need to rethink your strategy and we will leave that story at that. <laughs> So the Russians are coming yet again. They never stop coming, do they? Uh, there's something, uh, uh, one of your government agencies, the CISA, um, CISA, has said something about them coming. What What is this all about? Yeah, why so, is a surprise? Now, this was an alert that they put out. Some people are taking it as if something is actively happening. I don't. I haven't seen anything that says like, the attacks are way up on these sorts of things. But basically what it's saying is the Ruskies are targeting critical infrastructure. Now, again, not a huge surprise. What I was wondering on this, if, if the reason they released this now, the reason it's gained some traction and people have talked about it um, is possibly because there's all this tension at the Ukraine border where Russia is basically looking at stomping into Ukraine. And the U.S. over here is saying, don't do it. We won't oppose you militarily, but we're going to do more sanctions, et cetera, et cetera. Um, so there's a whole lot of like power struggle, saber rattling going on there. 
And I'm wondering if behind the scenes we are maybe seeing a little bit more of this or if there's been some chatter on what's going on there. I mean, yeah, government and embassy websites targeted. We are seeing some stuff like this. This is just today. There's like, you know, like 15, 20 of these Ukrainian websites that have been uh, attacked. And obviously BBC being BBC is like saying, was Russia behind it? Eh, Well, everyone kind of like knows, but they're not saying it. Apparently. Uh, yeah, but, and critical infrastructure, that's nothing new. I mean, that's been going on for a long time with the critical infrastructure stuff. Yeah. So, okay, useful. There's some technical details. What 48 VPNs, see, even if you have a commercial VPN, you need to uh, patch it because it can be a foothold for state <laughs> APT actors to gain a foothold. Anyway, um, this is a really interesting story, and I'm moving away from your 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 crappy advice poor poorly presented <laughs> advice should i say um so this is really interesting so a man was arrested in connection to a phishing scam um he stole you know hundreds apparently of unpublished book manuscripts uh from famous authors including ethan hawk and it's really weird because this gentleman worked for um Simon and Schuster. 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 Yeah. Um, and he was a rights coordinator for them. And and Simon and Schuster is a they don't take book publications from individuals, but an agent has to send it to them and they review it and then they'll take it to print and all that. So these are unpublished manuscripts that get sent to them. And so this individual he um set up like fake um domains and represented himself as like execs and because he was an insider in the industry he knew what terminology to use so he'd use all the shorthand versions of like manuscript and first draft or whatever it might be and he ended up getting like hundreds of these these manuscripts and and uh, he's been charged with wire fraud, fraud aggravated identity theft and everything and uh what have you thing is no one really knows what he was intending to do with this information it's not like he could sell it to someone and they'll be like oh this is great uh, because they can't officially publish it and there's nothing in there that wouldn't come to publication at some point um so yeah, this, yeah. that's a weird one man That's really weird, because what is he going to do with the unpublished manuscripts? Now, I do have one theory on this. I have one theory on this, and that is somehow or another, he was targeting our still unpublished manuscript book that we have that uh, that you guys hear. You heard it here first. We are publishing a book whenever Javad gets around to getting the the artwork and layout done on this. Um, We've only been waiting for that since, uh, you know, last year. November. Uh, but I, but I, I really a, think that's what they've been targeting, man. I have a confession to make, and Eric, this is the first time you'll hear of it. I I spoke to my very good friend who was going to do it, and she said that she can't do it for us. So, oh. um, but I did get a lot of good ideas from her as to what to do. So it, it it's best thing has come for those who wait. So if you all know somebody that does book layouts, let us know, please. Okay. Thanks, Javad. That's awesome. You're welcome. (laughs) 
UK police have warned that um, the period between Christmas and Valentine's Day is a time when romance scammers are at their most active because uh, people normally break up around Christmas time, I suppose, or it reminds people about how lonely they are. And there's not much to do in January. There's nothing much to look forward to. It's short days, you're home alone a lot of the time. And so people go on dating sites and scammers take advantage of it. Um, last year, apparently 92 million pounds was stolen from victims. Yeah. And, uh, you know, this is this is like one of really, really unfortunate uh, kinds of attacks that people fall victim to. And our colleague, Roger Grimes, he he's often um, spoken about this. He he once wrote an article about it and then he started getting letters from people about how, you know, my so and so friend or relative is engrossed in this and they 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 think that it's a scam. And he goes like, even after he's proven categorically yeah. to them that he's a scammer, they're so in love and I think they're so hooked to it, they just disregard all the information to the contrary. And that's how they they actually make out make 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 out make away with so much money. <laughs> well, if you think about it, I mean, you know, relationships we've had in the past, like when we were younger, and and your friends are like, that person is no good for you, man. And you're just like, no, no, no. And I mean, you you totally don't realize until it's all over with, and you're like, don't say it. Just just don't say I told you so. Um, it's kind of the same thing. And yeah, Rogers talked about situations where he's taken the photo that the person is using in their profile and he's shown people where this is not that person. This is a, a different person. This is a doctor over here. And those folks will ask the person about it. And they're like, oh yeah, well, I just don't, um, you know, somebody's, uh, my, my ex is watching for me or something like that. And that's why I used a different picture and they go, oh, okay, okay. It's okay. And, and they rationalize even the stupidest things to continue down that road. And this is something that, you know, when I was with the Cybercrime Support Network is on the advisory board there, we talked about this, how often, especially elderly folks, widowed folks are taken advantage of with these romance scams. I mean, there aren't a lot of romance scams targeting 20 year olds that, you know, are eating ramen every day and, and have like $4 to their names, right? It's, it's typically the elderly, oftentimes the widowed. They're alone now for the first time in 20, 30 years, and they have a little bit of a nest egg. Yeah, this is this is who gets targeted so much. And then, unfortunately, even the people that once they figure it out, once they realize they're being built, they're so embarrassed. They never say anything or they they don't want to press charges. They don't want to bring it up. They won't even tell loved ones that all of this money has been stolen. And sometimes it can be recovered in some ways. And so it, it's a very unfortunate type of scam. Um, that, that goes on all the time. And by the way, folks, I am putting the links to all these stories in the comments, wherever it's letting me post the comments. Good stuff. You know, I, I was reading this, um, article about decision, about, um, decision-making and the stories we tell ourselves. And they, they said like, what often happens if you're climbing a mountain, if you're like one of those free mountain climbers, um, uh, and there's no defined path. You go up a path and then you find it's blocked. Then you come down a bit. Then you go up. Then you backtrack a bit. And, and you'll zigzag and you find your way to the summit. But when you ask them, what, how did you choose your route? People, it's not like they're deliberately 
lying, but they'll always say, well, my experience told me that that particular type of vine was growing there, so I should take this route. The moss was a bit damp on there, so I took this route. And it, so, so in their mind, they'll always create, formulate a story to back up their actions in, in the back, uh, afterwards. And I think that's, that's what we see happen a lot in um, whenever people are victim to a crime or whenever people do something that they, they shouldn't at work because their brains are, are just creating that, uh, that effect where it's just filling in the blanks for them and crafting a story. Uh, which yeah. we, we don't even notice sometimes. So um, I'm going to make a profound statement here. Uh, unfortunately, we don't have time for profound statements. So thank you very much for joining us, everyone. Uh, we will be back next week. Same Jerick time, same Jerick channel. Uh, stay secure, my friends.